0: Awesome. Hey, welcome. Welcome to our meeting this morning. If you've got a, a Bible, why don't you turn to Psalm 62. It'll come up on the screen as well. Psalm 62. We're gonna go to a few other places uh, also. If you don't have a Bible, one will, uh, the Scriptures will appear magically on the screens behind me. So that's all good. Let me just pray as we jump into the Word this morning. Father, we thank You for Your truth, for Your ways, for your mind, God, for your perspectives, Jesus, for all that you have done and are doing in our lives this morning. As we just settle in your word, just for these last few moments, God, before we launch into our week, I pray that you would come and do what only you can do. God, we may try with wise and persuasive words, but Lord, it's your power, your kingdom that's working the real good stuff in us. And so we just give you uh, this time together, Speak to us where we need to be spoken to. Challenge us where we need to be challenged. Come change us where we need to be changed. Let your word come alive in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome, I have a clicker somewhere uh, around here. We are gonna be talking this morning, if you're taking notes, I've called this message Great Expectations. Great Expectations, and yes, I did steal that from Charles Dickens. And the similarities between what I'm about to say and that book, which I've never read, are gonna be plenty, I'm sure, but I, I wanna talk uh, this morning to you not just about our belief of God and, and perhaps who He is. We know He's a good, good Father this morning, but rather our belief in what He can do with us in our lives, what, what He can do through us and for us. I believe He's a big, big God. Amen, does anyone believe me? All right, cool. I just wanna lift your hope levels up this morning. How many could do with some more hope in their lives, more expectancy in their lives for stuff that God's wanting to do? And so I believe that he is a God who can do the scriptures, say Ephesians 3.20, immeasurably more than we can ever ask or imagine, right? I mean, that is quite a lot more. It's exceedingly abundantly more than we can ever ask or imagine. God is, is able to do those things. And I, I just wonder if you were to take right now, you know, uh, take, a, take a check reading, if you like, and measure somehow, I don't know how we would do this, but if you were, the level of your hope right now in God or the level of your expectancy on what God could actually do with your life if it was completely given over to Him and you were just completely full of of faith. But if you were just to take a measure of that right now, I I wonder where that would be at. I don't know what sort of scale we would use, a one to 10 kind of a system, but are you at a seven or an eight or a nine? Are you kind of down there in the lower lower numbers? Are you expecting much from Him right now in your life? You think about... Come on, not just just what's going on here, but in your families, in your home, in your workplace. What are you expecting of God? What are you expecting of Him or or, or from Him for for Him to do? Someone once said this, let the omnipotence of God be the measure of your expectation. Let the omnipotence, let the power, the, the hugeness, the greatness of God, let that be the measure of what you come to expect from Him in in uh, your life. In other words, he's a big God, expect big things. Expect great great things. The Bible puts it like this in Psalm 62 verse 5 it says this is David speaking. He goes, "My soul, my inner man, the the, the place the place that really counts in life, my soul waits silently for God alone for my expectation is from him." My hope comes from him. My expectation is from God. That word expectation, it means to have a strong belief of something good is about to happen. Something great is, is, is happening. And, and I'm thinking about this, as far as God is concerned, and I don't want to presume too much, but I believe that he's okay with us having a great expectation of him. God's okay with that. He's not—he's not worried. He's okay with us having a strong belief of him doing something good in our lives. I don't reckon that right now God is in heaven in response to our lifting hope, our about our arising hope, and our great expectation. I don't think God is going. Wow, these people—they're just expecting way too much. They're putting a huge amount of pressure on me. That's just unrealistic. I don't know how I'm gonna cope this week. I don't think God is kind of saying this. It's just too much. You're placing too much weight on my shoulders to carry all of these dreams and plans and these promises which I may have whispered. It's just, it's just too much for me. I need to take a break. I don't think that's what God's saying, right? I don't think he's saying that at all. In fact, the Bible has a lot more to say about God's response to our lack of expectancy than having too much of it. The Scriptures are plentiful when it comes to our lack of hope, our lack of faith, our lack of expecting God to come, come through in our lives. Let me just give you a few of them this morning. These are not on the screen, James 4.2. It says, you do not have because you do not ask. It's not on your heart. You, you, don't, you don't have it because you're not hoping for it. You, John 14.14, 14, Jesus says, ask anything in my name and I'll do it. 1 John 5 5, verse 14 says, now this is the confidence that we have in him, in God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And so it's worth asking, I think, this morning of our lives and the things that that we're thinking about is what are you hoping for in God? What are you hoping for in him? Or perhaps more to the point, what are you not hoping for in God that you should be? What are are you not expecting from him that perhaps you you, you could be or you should be? Is it true, and I'm going to need a response from you this morning, is it true that he is, God, is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine? True, it's true. We we actually believe that. We subscribe subscribe to that, that he can do exceedingly abundantly more. What is it then that you could never imagine God doing? And I, I want you to start imagining it. Maybe even expecting it. What is it that you could never imagine? Oh, man, I, I, could, I could never imagine. I could never imagine my, my husband coming to Christ, to coming into a relationship with God. I, I could never imagine that. Maybe it's time for you to begin expecting that of God. From him. I could never imagine my kids, my sons and daughters who are who are far away from I could never imagine. I, could, I don't know if I could if I've got the expectancy for that. Well, maybe t- today it's time for us to start thinking about some of those things. I I could never imagine the pain from my past being free of that. It's just always been with me. I can't I don't, I don't expect God to do that for me. Maybe it's time for you to start expecting God to release healing over your life, over your soul, over your body. I could never imagine being free from this physical pain. God can heal you. We've got to have a greater expectation of Him. I could could never imagine this church full of people uh, bursting at the seams and having to run a second service because there's so many people want to know what's going on here. Can you imagine that? I'm expecting that of of God in this this next season. Oh, they've got to clap. Great. Awesome. He is well able to do it and perhaps it's just time for us to lift our expectation of him to a whole other level. Everyone say other level. I don't know where I'm going with that. But it's time for us just to get maybe a little discontent with with things that we maybe have been putting up with for too long. It's time perhaps to stop accepting the way that things are or the way that things have to be and believe God for more, believe God for breakthrough, believe God to take you, to use you in powerful ways. It's time to perhaps in your life get dissatisfied with the amount of people you are seeing led to Christ through your testimony and your story and your life. If you're not seeing that, maybe it's time to start expecting God to use you in incredible and amazing ways. Because guess what? My Bible says He wants to. It's his will and purpose to work through you, not through me, just through me, not just through an hour and a half on a Sunday, but through you, right through your week and in your life, God wants to use you powerfully and do immeasurably more than we can ever ask or imagine. I reckon it's time to lay hold of those promises, to stir up the gifts that are in us, to to uh, throw off every weight that hinders us and slows us down and, and competes with his word and what he's saying. The accusation, just time to get rid of some of that thing things and just focus on what, what he's doing and what he's saying and renew our faith in a God that is well able. The Bible says, my expectation is from him. It's from him. I'm thinking about this, you know, our expectation, having a great expectation, a great hope on. And what God may do, may be willing to do, might do in, in our lives. I so, said, you know, what if, what if there's a connection? There's a, there's a connection point between God's ability to work through you and I. What, what if there's a connection between God's ability to do that in us and our level of expectancy of Him to do it? What if there is actually a connection between, and I know God is a sovereign God, and you know what? He'll do as He wills. But what if there is actually a, a link between our expectation of what God might do and what He will do? Are you following this morning? What, what if we could actually, now I may be kind of getting on the edge of some theology here, but what if we could actually limit or allow God according to our level of expectation? What if we could actually limit the hand of God over our lives or release Him over our lives because of our expectation of Him? It does seem a little far-fetched, a little bit maybe dodgy. I don't know, but listen to this in Mark chapter 6. You can turn there quickly if you want. Part of it will come up on the screens a little bit later. Mark chapter 6, Jesus has... uh, is well into his ministry. In fact, the context of this, he's just raised a young girl from the dead, so he is fully doing some pretty amazing things. And then it says in verse one of Mark chapter six that Jesus left that part of the country where he'd been doing that. He returned with his disciples to Nazareth, which was his hometown. Everyone shout out your hometown. Pata, pata, yeah. umu. right. So Jesus is going home, like, I get, this is home, right? Maybe where you've come from. Sri Lanka, Germany, Uh, Jesus left that part of the country, returned with his disciples to Nazareth, it didn't work, at His hometown, the next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. So there were some people who were amazed at the words of Jesus, and then they asked, "Where where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? And then, verse three, something happens, it says, then they began to scoff hang on a minute, he's just the carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and his sisters live right here among us, and they were then deeply offended, it says, and refused to believe in him And then Jesus told them, hey, listen, a prophet, you know what, is is honored everywhere except his hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And then it says this really interesting thing in Mark 6, verse 5. It says, and it doesn't matter what version you read it from, pretty much all of them say these words because of their unbelief. These words, he could not do any miracles among them. Because of a lack of expectancy about who Jesus was and what he could do. It says that Jesus, the Son of God, could not do any miracle among them except to place a, his hands on a few sick people and heal them. So just a couple of small stuff, you know, like, just, eh, be healed. right? And, and it says, verse 6, he was amazed, Jesus was amazed at their unbelief. They had no expectation for who this man was and what he could do. Up until this point, Jesus had had worked many miracles. As we know, he was cleansing the lepers. He was healing the sick. He was calming the seas. All that stuff had gone on. He was casting out demons. He was even raising the dead. And then he comes to his hometown, the place where he'd grown up, the place where he was known already by many people as a small boy and so on, the place you know, where perhaps they'd even purchased some of his carpentry work. You know? I bought a bar stool from that guy. You know, they'd been involved in his life and, and, and maybe even played with him as a boy, but there was no way in their minds that this Jesus, the son of Joseph, had any reason, any right to speak to us like that. And for us then, therefore, to expect anything from his life for us, a theologian who, uh, I can't pronounce his name, he's French, Pasquier-Quinsuel, that is probably not pronounced right. He says this, a man speaking a commentary on this passage, a man generally speaking can do little but good among his own relatives because it is difficult for them to look with the eyes of faith upon one whom they've been accustomed to behold with the eyes of flesh. Something about our expectation that is lowered because of familiarity. They're like, oh man, it's just me old mate Jesus. It's just, that's me old mate, it's my buddy who used to go running with, you know. Whatever they thought of Jesus, the book of Mark says that Jesus could not do any mighty work there. He could not. It's, it's kind of alarming to, to, to read this. It doesn't say he chose not to. It says that he could not. In other words, and I'm, I'm kind of a little sketchy on this, but perhaps he's, what it's saying is that it was not possible. There was no power. He was limited by their unbelief in his ability. Sure, he did a few things, laid hands on a few, a few headaches, maybe a couple of you know colds or something. That was people, were, but nothing significant. They they received no miracles because they had no expectancy for him to do anything, and that was their result. Well, that's a sad story. What about for our own lives? What about for your life, the things that you're thinking about? Are we limiting God by our expectation of what he could do? Are we allowing like the, 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 the stuff going on around us to speak louder than what his word says and his promises are for, for our lives? You know, sure, we've seen, him, we've seen him do a few good things in our life. Maybe I got healed of a headache one day or, you know, I'm pretty sure it was Jesus. He got my car started when my battery was flat, you know, I got a car park out of Briscoe's, and uh, Briscoe's when there was a sale on. That had to be the hand of God, right? Just a few things, but nothing, nothing huge, nothing significant. You know, am I am I allowing or am I limiting His power in my life by my expectation? It's a challenging thought. It's a challenging question. Maybe I have been limiting Him. I actually believe it's possible, potentially. Giving myself some wiggle room to limit a mighty, powerful God. Listen to this, Psalm 78, verse 40. Kind of hidden here in the Psalms. I have to go looking for, for this one. It's talking about Israel and their stubbornness and how they're just frustrating God. It says, of God. How often they, that's Israel, provoked him in the wilderness, grieved him in the desert. Yes, again and again, they tempted God, they tried God. And look what it says there, and limited, and limited the Holy One. They, because of their stubbornness, their disbelief, their lack of real faith in seeing what God, despite what he was doing, limited the Holy One of Israel, they did not remember his power and what he was able to do. The God of the universe, really the creator of the universe, limited by, by me, by my insecurities, by my lack of expectation. Is that, could that really happen? Is that really possible? What's your expectation? What is your expectation of him? I pray even as we speak this morning, that your expectation of God and what he can do through you, what he can do for you, what he is doing in you, What he can do with you would lift, would lift, would lift because he's great, he's good. He's well able to do amazing things with your life. Charles Spurgeon, back in the day, the prince of preachers, an amazing revivalist. He says this about expectancy. If we had learned to expect great things, we should have them. If we had made up our minds to this, that the promise was great, that the promiser was great, that his faithfulness was great, and that his power was great. And if with this for our strength we set to work expecting a great blessing, I believe we should not be disappointed. In other words, God would match the level of our expectation. Let the omnipotence of God, the power and the greatness of God be the measure, be the yardstick, be the the thing that you measure your expectancy against, not what's going on around you, maybe contrary evidence or things that aren't happening. Don't let that be the measure, but let who God is be the measure of your hope and your expectancy. Let it arise from this place. I declare it in Jesus' name. You lift God, your power and your might above our lives. Awesome. Uh, a number of years ago, a good friend of mine, his name is Ian, not from this church, from the church I used to go to. This is back in the, on the Cabotay Coast. Some of you will know Ian Helen Dennis, who's the worship leader for our movement, to her husband. We, we went to the great nation of India. We have two Indians here this morning. And, uh, and, and so we went and visited a church there in, uh, in a place called Kondwa in Pune. It was actually a new life church in a very, very poor part of town. In fact, it was set right in the middle of uh, our Hindu area, which is possibly most of India. But but uh, this is actually the uh, the entrance to the church. So they didn't, you know, there's quite a lot of litter around, right? This, this was not kind of an attraction, attractional church. This, was, this is taken from the front steps of the church that we uh, were gonna go and minister in and, and speak into. And uh, it was quite amazing for me having been brought up and it's my first time outside of uh, kind of a Western world suddenly seeing poverty and seeing speaking into an area that was where they weren't all happy and clappy for Jesus these ones were being persecuted in this place. And, and this is my friend Ian on the left. And this is an Indian man who ran up to him during our, our time there on that church who was really, really eager to meet Ian again. And I say again because Ian had been in that church about 12 months prior to this. And uh, he had prayed for this, this man now smiling with his arms around his shoulder because he was now unrecognizable and the story goes that a year earlier, this man was dying of AIDS. And, and after being prayed for by in, uh, I hope he doesn't hear this, but an accountant with five kids from Umu, After being prayed for, for, for uh, by, by this man, as, we, as he left and came back to New Zealand, this man's condition over the months following began to improve and improve and improve until all symptoms that he was struggling with left his body altogether. And then he, we found He now has a job. He was now providing for his family, and every symptom is gone from from. And so he's like, "I got to go. I got to go and say hello to that guy. Remember me." An amazing, an amazing story. And and we prayed that Sunday morning for literally hundreds of people. There were two hundred and fifty people in a room about quarter of the size. It was really packed in there. Like like I'm pretty sure we were breaking health and safety codes. But anyway, we. Prayed for hours and hours, and it was amazing. I felt like Jesus. It was quite, quite incredible. But listen, we were no one special, but God was moving in that place. Why, there was great faith in that building. There was great expectancy in that place, not just because of what had happened a year before, but because of the hearts of the people. And I can only put it down to one thing. They were living in Psalm 62. Hope in God alone, my expectation is from Him. And maybe in that context, it was because they had nothing else to hope in. You know, there wasn't, I'm making some assumptions, but I think they're probably true. There wasn't a comfortable home to go go home to after the service. There was no warm bath perhaps for them to soak in. There there wasn't a hearty meal for them to kind of tuck into at the end of the night. There probably wasn't even television. Oh my gosh, what they wouldn't have had PlayStation. They, they wouldn't have had Netflix, no air-conditioned car. For many, in fact, for turning to Christ, and there were hundreds in that building, they were rejected and persecuted by their own family members, right? Some will know what I'm talking about here, have experienced that very thing. They only had one option, one option, no backups. They had stacked all of their hope, all of their expectations into one basket, but thank God that basket was Jesus. And their hope was in Him. And I was thinking this morning, you know, we have hope in so many different things, so many different things. I had to choose which car to come to church in this morning. I'm standing in my driveway going, should I take the green one or the blue one? Which one should I take? So many options, so many comforts, and I just, I don't know. I'm not saying let's get rid of those things, hear me, but uh, although someone could buy my car, but I am saying our options, our many options, and our comfort can. Can, if we allow it, dull the hunger pains or the hunger for God's power and presence in our world? There's just something about comfort that kind of causes us to relax and take it easy. Complacency comes in when the chips are up, when everything's going well. We just have too much maybe to be thankful for. Don't stop thanking God for his blessings. I'm not saying that God isn't wanting to bless us. Hear me this morning. I'm just saying there, there is a kind of the other side of the coin in this. Too much perhaps for us to rely on if God doesn't show up. Oh, it's okay. If I don't get healed, there's always the doctors. There's always a plaster. There's always this or that thing. It, it's, it's no big deal, you know, we, Perhaps we've stopped asking because there are so many other great distractions and we've forgotten that we worship a God who is full of power and is well able to do exceedingly, abundantly, more than we can ask or imagine. And I pray that we we get hungry for more of God running through us, working through us, more of him than we already have Maybe just enough this morning for you to get a little bit discontent with the level of his presence on your life to lift our expectation of him. Couple of things this morning before we wrap this up, couple of points I've kind of put in the form of two, two questions. Number one, very, very simple, is what do you want? What do you want? Sometimes we literally don't ask ourselves this question. We're we're, we're kind of distracted by different things and, you know, sort of small issues and comfort issues. But what do you want for your life? What do you want? More importantly, as I've put in parenthesis there, what does God want for you? Because that really has to be where we get to. What, what is God willing? What is he purposing for your life? What, what do you want? Jesus, Jesus says this, talking about hoping and believing for things. John 14 verse 12, not on the screen. I tell you the truth, Jesus says, anyone who has faith in me and expectation of me will do what I have been doing. Wow, he will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son of Man may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Now just hold on for a second. Jesus is assuring the, the, the listeners, the disciples, that, that, that he would do anything they ask in his name. But listen, praying in Jesus' name is not kind of like a magic formula. Like I, 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 want a, I want a million dollars in Jesus' name. You know, it's not like a magic formula that we can kind of tack on to the things that we want, our selfish desires for our, for our own comfort. I'm spitting all over my, all over my screen. <laughs> it's not that, it could be because you read in verse 15, I'm sorry I don't have it on here, but verse 15 says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. In other words, if you are in this love relationship with me and you are one and I'm one with you and we're doing a good thing, you're going to want what I want, which is my will and purpose. And if you have an expectation of those things, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it for, you, for your life. When we abide in Christ, when we are his disciples, his followers, when we love him, we want what he wants. So the question shouldn't really be what do I want, but what does God want for my life? It's been echoed in the worship this morning. What is God willing for my life? What is God willing for my spouse's life? What's God's will and purpose for my kid's life, my grandkids' life, my husband's life? What is his will and purpose? Are you asking him for that in Jesus' name? Are you asking him for his will? His purpose purpose is to be done. have you got a great expectation of that? Because listen, we often set our heights or our sights way too low, way too low. We settle for not just second best, we just settle for anything else. Often because of circumstances, because of what we see, but God's calling us to be people of faith that are led by what he's doing, not what we can see even with our own eyes. And therefore, we have a low expectation of what God wants to do. You've heard that old cliche, if you, if you always do what you've always done, you're gonna always get what you've always gotten. Like insanity is just doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. What is it if we're not, what we're not seeing from him? There's, there's there to be a shift perhaps in gears of what we're doing, our expectation, our faith in God, a God who is well able. We naturally tend to base our expectations on what we've experienced in the past. You read that about Israel. They did not remember God was. They forgot how good he actually was. But I wonder how much more he has in his hands for us if we'd only start believing for those things, start declaring those things, start coming into a love. And I've said this many times, and I'll keep saying it because I reckon it's a a great practical thing if you come into my house, into my ensuite, although I don't know why you would be in there. That's kind of odd. But if you did, you would see on my ensuite mirror is a laminated piece of A4 paper which has about five declarations, that are things that God has spoken either through prophecy or through his word that we've gotten hold of that I do not believe or that I am having trouble believing but I know that it is true. And every morning I'm brushing my teeth. I'm, I'm reading that out. I'm declaring that out. It's toothpaste going everywhere until my mind aligns up with God's truth that I will not be dictated by what I can see with my own eyes, but what God has spoken. And I got to fake it until I make it until I believe on the inside that what God is saying is true and he will do what he said he will do. Please don't come into my ensuite bathroom. David Riddell he's a local counselor here. He's the author of, some of you have heard of the Living Wisdom Course, but here's a great quote that I love from him. He says, God has signed far more checks than we've cashed in. God has signed. He has, he has kind of put into our bank account much, much more than we've taken out. It's actually ours. Don't be an ignorant Christian. Be Completely aware of what he's saying, what he's doing, and what he wants you to, what he wants you to step into. What do you want? What do you want? want. Number two, how bad do you want it? What do you want and how bad do you want it? Sounds like some kind of chant, doesn't it? I'm not going to do that. I don't have any more scriptures on the screens, but I do wanna read this out to you. How bad do you want it? Luke 11, verse nine, Jesus has just given what we know as the Lord's prayer, our Father who art in heaven, and he moves on. And then it says, he says to them, verse nine of Luke 11, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, verse six, sorry, of Luke 11, for a friend of mine has come to me on this journey and I have nothing to set before him. Yet he will answer from within and say, "'Do not trouble me, the door is now shut, "'and my children are with me in bed. "'I cannot rise and give anything to you. "'I say to you,' Jesus says, verse eight, "'though he will not rise and give to him "'because he is a friend, yet because of his persistence.'" How bad do you want it? "'Because of his persistence, "'he will rise and give him as much as he needs.'" Verse nine says this, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will you give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will you give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit in that context to those who ask him? How bad do we want what he wants for our life? How bad do we want it? Jesus said the friend wouldn't, give, wouldn't get up and give the man three loaves told him not to trouble him, to go away. But the the man in the story begins to keep knocking on his friend's door. He kept pounding on the door of his friend. I want you to catch this, friend. He keeps asking of his friend. Listen, it wasn't because of friendship that the friend gave him the loaves. It was because he persisted and then he got as many as he needed. How bad do you want it? Or how good do you want it? How much do you want what God wants for your life? Let me just keep reading. I just feel like there's, not everyone's convinced. Luke 18, verse 2. Luke 18, verse 2. Verse 2 says, Jesus said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary.'" Verse four of Luke 18 says, for some time that judge refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, listen to this, verse five, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see to it that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with all of her coming, with all of her nagging. With all of her just repetitive asking and asking, Jesus said, and the Lord said this, listen to what the unjust says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? How bad do you want it? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice quickly. There is a principle of persistence of pressing in, of not letting go, even despite failure or, or disappointment or things happening not the way that you want. There's something about just pushing in, just standing up again and saying, you've said you'll do what you will do. And I want it bad. I want what you want for my life. I, want, I wanna see my, all of my family members come to Christ. It's not happened yet. I want it back. God, you have promised me. It's your will that none should perish. I'm standing with you. In, in this, because the widow kept bothering me, I will see that she gets justice. When was the last time, I'm not asking for a show of hands or an answer here, but when was the last time that we tried to wear God out with our expectations? <laughs> when did we do that? You know, Because listen, echoing right through the pages of scriptures, we could go on and on. The woman who pushed through the crowds just to grab a hold of the garments of Christ, the, the hem of his garment, Pushed through, persisted. She shouldn't have even been out and about. She should have been locked away at home. She was breaking the law, the Jewish law, but she got out of that place. She pushed and pushed and pushed because she knew if I just get hold of Jesus, things will happen. Just you know, we, we're, the, just because we're, we're friends with God, listen, just because we're friends with Him, we are no longer servants, but friends with God. Uh, just because that is the case doesn't mean we are automatically entitled to everything that He has for us because some things we've got to persist and persist push through from. we got to cash in. We have to withdraw. we got to get God's attention. Think about uh, Jacob who, who wrestled with God until he received his blessing. There is something here that the, 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 the scriptures say that the kingdom suffers violence and the violent will take it by force. There's something not passive about our faith, our expectancy that needs to be engaged and go after these things. How bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? Maybe, Jimmy, you could come and play the guitar for me, mate. I begin to wrap this up. My soul waits for God alone. My expectation is from him. Listen, God is able. We gotta expect, we gotta start expecting his power in our life. Listen, God won't visit where he's not expected to. I'll let that hang for just a few more seconds. God will not visit where he's not expected to. And I just had this, thing, just drop it to my, God will not come on behalf of someone else. If you, oh, look, I don't have no faith, no excuse, I'm just going to rely on the person next to me to do all the work. God has something for your life, but it's going to match with your expectation of who He is and what He's able to do. What are you hoping for in God? What is God willing for you? And are you hungry for more of Him? Maybe this morning, you're not hoping for much. You're not believing for much today. Things in life may have worn you down. And how many know that life has a way of just wearing you down, dragging you down? Maybe that's you this morning. You feel a little worn out. I wanna remind you this morning. I just wanna remind you. I want you to hear hear this this morning. Hey, listen, listen, His power has been made available to you. His power is available to you. God, I believe, is saying today, hey, listen, son and daughter, Start asking me again. Would you start asking of me again? Would you start expecting that? Some of those things you were expecting in the past, would you pick that up again? Would you start hoping in me again? Stop settling for other things. Start asking God. I'm gonna close with this thought and I'm gonna get us to stand. I'm just gonna pray and declare some things over us. In Acts chapter three, you can close your eyes right now if you want to. In Acts chapter three, there's a great story that a lot of us will know Jesus, sorry, not Jesus, Peter and John, they go to the temple to pray as was their custom. They were regularly going to the temple to pray. It's kind of the church, if you like. At the temple gates, there was a crippled man who was lame from birth. And he lies there every day crying, begging for money. The Bible says that every day they carried this lame man to the gates of the temple. Every day lying on the ground he begs for money. Every day Peter and John go to the temple and they walk past this lame man. And I imagine that this lame man, after a few days, a few weeks, a few months, maybe even a few years, would just become kind of part of the scenery. It's just, what happens? There's the guy. It's just, we get used to it. We get kind of comfortable with it. They accept the fact that he's crippled, accept the fact that he's in their faces every day, calling out for money. Even perhaps, and I think probably so, the lame beggar has accepted his own fate, He's not expecting anything else out of his life. He just wants money to be able to buy things probably. He's probably thinking, listen, this is what life has dished out for me. This is my portion. This is all that I deserve. There's nothing great, nothing great other than this. Every day I'll come and beg. And that day would have just continued like any other. But this day that the Bible talks about in the the book of Acts in chapter 3, as Peter and John walk past, something in their spirit rises up. And they're thinking, you know what? We've walked past this lame man enough times. And they remind each other, wait a second, we have the power of His name given to us. We've been given authority to appropriate that name over things and over stuff. That's certainly seen it. That's certainly been demonstrating. And We are one in Christ. Peter goes up to that lame man. You know the story. He says, listen, you want money? I've got none of that. i got no silver. I've got no gold. But what I do have, I'm about to give to you. I've got something for you, lame man, that is better than all of the silver and gold in the whole earth. I've got something greater than any medical doctor can give you. I am one in Christ and he is one in me. He says to the lame man, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And Peter takes him by the hand. He pulls him up and immediately it says that strength fills his body. And that day is like no other day for for that man. Why don't we stand this morning? I believe, and maybe just for the purpose of this message this morning, that that lame man perhaps represents some things in our life that we've put up with for far too long. That lameness, that disability, that, that thing that was going on in his body, things that perhaps we've settled for. And I wanna tell you, friends, until you and I stand up and say, you know what, enough is enough. I'm sick, of being, I've been held low with my faith and my expectation. Until we lay claim on the power of Christ, we are gonna let the devil rob us over and over and over again. Maybe it's physical sickness that you've been just accepting. Maybe it's a family member who's far away from God that you've just stopped praying because this is just the way it's going to be. Maybe it's a relationship that you're in that you're expecting Well, you did expect more for, but you've just settled. Things you were once fighting for, but for whatever reason you've lost the fight and you have stopped asking. Maybe you are dry in your walk with God. The fire's gone out. Listen, it's time again to call on that name. His name is mighty to save, mighty to deliver, mighty to to restore mighty to do incredible and amazing things for us as a church I just feel so stirred what God is pulling us into what God has for us as a, as a body as a community I really feel that a sense of, of significant prophetic destiny over us as a church Aspire Church but there's something we've got to go you know what It's time for us to start believing. Time for us to start expecting more. Time for things to start happening in my life. Time for my testimony, not just to be simple words, but the power of God laced with that to see others come to Christ. Today, God is asking us to ask of Him. Today, He's reminding us to contend and fight for everything we believe He's intended for us to have. Would you bow your heads for just a moment or two? I wanna pray and declare some stuff. God, we thank You. Your truth, for Your ways, for Your word. Thank you for the hope that we have in Christ, and I want to give a moment, in just a second, for anyone here who does not know Christ, has never given their life to Him, surrendered their life to God. Father, I pray that there would be something I thank You lay hold of with perseverance that we would press in, that we would rouse ourselves, that, God, we would awaken, you would awaken in us by the hope of your Holy Spirit. Fire again, God, for the things that you want. That we would faithfully, discipline and enjoy Run after God, your purposes and your promises for our life. And for this church, I pray, thank you, Father, for a great future, great hope. Thank you, God, as it has been prophesied and spoken of many times, churches would come out of this place, right up and down our nation. Thank you, God, for the cogs, the wheels that are turning in, your, in the sense of your prophetic destiny and promises. Behind the scenes, you're doing things that we can't even see. God, may we be faithful, God, when we can't see anything, believing, persuaded. I pray, God, over every person here this morning where there is faith lacking, where there is hope that is, that is deflated, God, where our expectancy levels are not where they should be. In Jesus' name, lift our heads, our heads be lifted towards you, God. Give us a glimpse, Lord. Give us a glimpse, God, of the possibilities in you that it is true.